You're listening to the Better Man Podcast, becoming life-giving men together. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Better Man Podcast. My name is Adam Tarno. Might sound a little bit different today. I'm recording in a different location. I'm not in my uh, normal studio recording today's episode. And the reason for that is because yesterday I tested positive for COVID, but here I am in an act of heroism and manhood just one day later. Uh, recording another episode of the Better Man podcast. Truth be told, uh, my symptoms are incredibly mild, so I'm just staying at home, taking advantage of the technology, and recording on schedule. Now, another reason I'm here recording is because I didn't want to miss today's guest. I didn't want to let COVID keep me down uh, from talking with Dr. Crawford Loritz. Dr. Loritz was the longtime pastor at Fellowship Bible Church in Roswell, Georgia. He's the host of a Living Legacy radio program. He's written books. He's spoken all over the world. His resume is very impressive. But uh, more importantly, he has devoted his life to strengthening the family. And that's our topic of conversation today. You're going to love getting to know him if you don't know him. So enjoy my conversation with Dr. Crawford Loritz. Dr. Loritz, welcome to the Better Man Podcast. Great to have you here today. Good to be here with you, Adam. Yes, yes, me too. So you have devoted a lot of your ministry and your life to strengthening the family. Uh, can mm. you talk a little bit about that? Why, why is that? Why have you been drawn to, to doing that thing? Well, I think part of it has to do with my background, right? I mean, I come from, uh, uh, I've been blessed to come from a, a background where two loving parents that were intentional about our development and, and pointing us to Jesus. And, uh, and so family has meant everything on my dad's side. My great grandfather, Peter was a slave and, uh, somewhere along the line, he, he, um, developed this passion and commitment to family. And it's, so it's been passed down from one generation to the next. And a lot of it has been anchored in scripture too, right? I mean, the family, you know, uh, we're the stewards of God's image from one generation to the next. And uh, for good or bad, all roads lead back to somebody's I do, somebody's marriage and somebody's family. So um, I think strategically, it's the most important thing we can do. How, you know, if you just think back memory, memory lane for you just in your lifetime, how have you seen this idea of family change? With the, with the divorce culture that we we have uh, you know been through and still the residual impact of all of that and the hurt and the pain that's real with uh, uh, all of us all of us are broken and many you know just it's just a matter of degrees I tell people all the time you know uh, don't don't talk about dysfunction as if it's something that's foreign we're all dysfunctional <laughs> in one way or the other which is the nature of sin. But I, I think what has taken place here is that there's been, the, there's been over the last 15, 20 years, uh, you know, the, uh, the um, uh, I don't know how to put it, the acceleration of, of um, redefining what family means to, to uh, make it more palatable for our own, quote, realities, right? And so, um, you know, so we're, we're institutionalizing a dysfunction that should not be there. And uh, um, so that's what we're struggling with. And it's finding its way into feelings of alienation and isolation and the lack of community and yet the passion for community. It's affecting our churches. It's affecting leadership in our culture and all of these things. And I think it's fueling a, a hyper-individualism that is ultimately unhealthy. 
Ah, I like that. That's really well said. So, I mean, this, this idea of, of individualism certainly does run counterintuitive to the idea of family or, or what a family is, where we have to be a unit that does work well together. What are some of the other, you know, uh, maybe barriers or forces out there that are really putting strain on families nowadays that you see in your experience? Well, I think the lie in the culture is that, is that we can do it all, you know, that, that, that we, can, we can do it all. Family has become more utilitarian. Uh, it, it's become something that, that is helpful for me to get to where I need to be. However, if it blocks me from being, quote, all that I would like to be, uh, then I need to change the marriage, change the relationship, because ultimately my happiness is, is, is the prize, right? I mean, it's, it's the ultimate thing. It's, the word sacrifice has become utilitarian and profane in many respects. I mean, it's, it's relative. Um, and, uh, and I think, you know, what, what family teaches us is the nobility of giving yourself to something that is bigger than yourself and realizing that my, my, my personal happiness is not really the ultimate thing, but my fruitfulness and purpose and deep-seated value and the sense of nobility which is a wonderful word, but nobility is anchored in that which never changes, right? And, and the family was intended to be the steward of the things that never change. And so that immediacy that we have, that we feel right now, that nothing should stand in the way of what I want to do and what I want to be, uh, really impacts and erodes the very nature of what family should be and what God intended for it to be, if that makes any sense. It makes a lot of sense. And I definitely see that, um, you know, I'm where I am in my life at 46. I, I've seen that change. Um, I feel like what you're, even what you're explaining, I'm like, yeah, that is right. But the, the shift to get there with the hyper individualism or the utilitarian nature of this, or if I'm not happy, then I'm, I have the right to change my circumstances, even if that means leaving my wife or leaving my family. Was that a, as slow, was that a slow drift there, you know, or, or did you see something happen maybe in the last 20, 30 years that really accelerated that, that idea of that individualism? It's been a slow drift. When objectivity was disinvited from our, our trajectory in life, that's when we became untethered. And I think, we, you know, uh, now don't get me wrong, I, I, <laughs> older generations had their, had their mother load of sin too. And I, I, I get on my, you know, I get on my friends at my, this stage of my life who are always bashing, you know, millennials and Gen Z and all of this other kind of stuff. And I just feel like telling them, shut up. Baby boomers, we were we were some of the most selfish people who ever lived. In fact, we're we're the incubator for all this stuff. Okay, so I, I want to be careful and say that that you know, I, I mean, the glory days were not so glorious. I think we look in the rearview mirror and forget we got glaucoma, man. I mean, you know, <laughs> there was a, a motherload of mess back then. But I do think there's something about. Um, we, we, we have embraced subjectivity to the point that it's become objective. It, it's, just, it's a weird paradox. Yeah, it really, it really is bizarre. It, it is. And we've disinvited God. We disinvited God from our daily lives. And I don't just mean believers. You know, 
uh, years ago, there was a sense of at least a respect for God and a respect for things uh, that we, con- we considered enduring. And we, we've kind of lost that. And now the only thing that endures is what I want to endure. It's me. It's, it's, and so, you know, it, it's almost as if we've become a country of a coalition of independent contractors when it comes to life and values. Yeah, the business leaders listening right now would go, yeah, it's the, it's the free agent economy that's out there, right? Everybody's yeah. just a free agent. That's um, right. And we're all independent contractors. That's the right uh, that's that's a good word picture and metaphor for all of yeah, this. Yeah, so. the, par- the paradox in all of this is that we were born for relationship. We we were we, we hunger for it. We were born for purpose that is bigger than ourselves that requires something more. And this is the reason why we're so frustrated. And we we have all these ancillary purposes that we give ourselves to, and and uh, it's a weird paradox. As a pastor, I saw that in my church that uh, on one hand, you know, you have a generation that that is fluid and flexible and, you know, don't tell me what I should do or shouldn't do. There's no such thing as objective. And yet at the same time, paradoxically, they respond when you do talk about those things that are permanent. It is it is the weirdest, weirdest thing that our behavior and our longings, they don't coalesce. That's really, really interesting. And, and as you talk about the paradox with all of this, and, and so we want to be individual and we don't want to be you know, tied down by a family or these long-term committed relationships. If you remember back in 2019, like the fall of 2019, one of the biggest health scares that was out there was what the sociologists were calling the epidemic of loneliness. Right, that they were there were all these studies that were being done on just how lonely people were feeling and what the physical effects of that loneliness was on an individual's life. And uh, I, you know, the list of the the health impact of loneliness was it was a harrowing list. It was as if you know, almost as bad as smoking one or two packs of cigarettes a day, you know, with uh, stroke and heart disease and hypertension and uh, all this kind of stuff. And that. Obviously, over the last two years, the the public health we've been really focused on the pandemic, not really so much focused on loneliness. But I think it it serves as support for what you're saying that uh, we've got these two, uh, you know, these two desires that are really opposing one another. And I think the studies would show the loneliness choice doesn't pan out well. Like people who are choosing to not be tethered to others are not doing well. Um, yeah, and I think that evidence is pretty overwhelming. Yeah, and you you are really underscoring and summarizing uh, the theology of family by 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 describing the the issue there. You know, biblically, family was created to mirror and earth the inner trinitarian community and love relationship in heaven. That that's why family exists, and so family. I mean, and I'm not being I'm not being extravagant here. But the vision of family was, was, is, was created to, to be the portrait of the desired destination at which the culture needs to arrive. That's why family was created. And we've lost this noble vision. Family is not just a transactional community 
you know, where, you know, okay, we're together. We'll just sort of like synergistically leverage our resources and you can, you know, we'll raise you to do, you know, and all of this other kind of weekend. No, no, family, family was to launch a generation into a time that we cannot see with a sense of rootedness, a sense of stability, a sense of hope and a sense of mission. That is that is the lofty, and we have lost that. And you know, and I'm on a little bit of a soapbox here, and I actually think that guys like myself who preach and teach on this, we need to be very careful that in our desire to help people to you know how to resolve their conflict and how to money, manage your money well, how to deal with the internet and you know intrusion on our lives and all this other kind of stuff, that we don't get so transactional and pedantic that the vision is lost. We need to get back up and talk about the holy why, the holy why, you know, and that's the stuff of endurance, right? Learning how to resolve conflict as important as that is, that's not something, you know, that's not worth living a dime for. We, we got to back up and talk about, okay, what are we really all about? And the truth of my, and the truth of the matter is this, you know, um, and this sounds so esoteric, but you know, every life is about legacy. Every single life is about legacy. And it's categorically irrelevant to say, well, I'm not into legacy or this kind of thing. Well, that's stupid. I mean, if you know, the, the truth of the matter is if you're living, you're going to impact the future, either positively or negatively. But that's, but that's the reason for life. My moment in history is just, is, is, is just a, a transition and, it, and, and it's a temporary test to see what I'm going to do with the image of God that's been placed in my hands. And what shape is that going to be when I deposit it into the hands of the next generation? So marriage is about mission. Family is about mission. And you got to be clear about what in the world is that mission? Yeah. And it's not just to manage the finances and resolve conflicts, right? It is. I love that, that the vision is lost. I, I think that's, that's really, really well said. Um, and I like that. So let, you know, we, we can talk about what's wrong and there's literally thousands of podcasts out there talking about what's wrong. Right. And so, uh, let, let's, let's talk about what's right right now or what's going right or what's giving you hope. Because, um, I know that, that even though the family is different now than it was maybe, uh, when our grandparents were around, uh, there still is reason for hope. And so what are, what, what are you seeing? Like when, when a man uh, decides to reject the culture's message and says, I, I'm going to be here and I'm going to be a part of this family and I'm going to be the leader of this family. Uh, what are some of the motivations that, that uh, lead to that decision? Or what are you seeing in the men that you're working with that cause them to say, I'm going to tune that out. And I'm going to be God's man in this family right now. It's, this sounds negative, but honestly, it is positive. I think what ends up happening is, is that, you know, people are getting bored with, with all the, all the band-aids. You know, it's just like the, all the little cute thing and they're getting bored and and in their hearts, they realize that there's something more, which is an amazing thing. All of these ministries on the family, I serve on the board of uh, Family Life, right? And all, the, the, all of these ministries on the family have been growing quietly over the last 15, 20 years, which is an amazingly hopeful song. Yeah, it is great, you know, and and even the numbers of, of, of people who are going to counseling now to get help and to, you know, to recalibrate their thinking. 
it is it is amazing. So I do think that there is a quiet movement underneath the surface that's counteracting the disintegration that's out there. In our heart of hearts, we 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 realize we realize that this hyper individualism is not sustainable. No, it's not. You know, we can point back to those, you know, those articles and the studies that we were just referencing on on loneliness and what what that does for you. That's not a sustainable lifestyle. You can't you can't do that for a long period of time. What do you think? And again, this is going to be a broad question, but I'd love to know your thoughts on this. What do you think are some of the biggest insecurities that men feel when it comes to leading the family? So there may, there's going to be a, a man listening to this right now that's going to say, I want that vision. I don't want to be untethered. I want to be God's man. But uh, you know, I'm feeling like some sort of an insecurity. Can you put some words into that and what you see? What, what are some of the common insecurities that a man feels when it comes to them thinking of themselves as the leader of a family? Uh, part of that is, in, in uh, I I don't want to get in trouble by making this statement here. Uh, uh, part of that has been um, the feminization of maleness and manhood, and I don't mean homosexuality here. Please don't misunderstand me, and I fully realize that what I'm saying here can be viewed as controversial. But but I think the feminization or 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 the lack of positive role description and identity when it comes to maleness. I don't mean that in a way that domineering and discounting and that sex is. I don't mean that at all because male, female created in the image of God. But I think, you know, every 28 days, a woman is powerfully graphically reminded of who she is. But a man only knows he's a man when his father or a significant male role model tells him so. And I think I think what has taken place is is that there there has been the erosion of confidence because of disengaged fathers, and so I think there's been a stumbling about well who am I how do how do I lovingly lead without being you know some sort of dictator what is my responsibility what does it really mean to be a man we've got to go back to ground zero. And, and give confidence in maleness and what that means and, uh, and not, 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 not do it in reaction to the culture because whenever you come up with a definition and reaction to something, you get a distortion. It, it, we can't go down that road. One of the greatest needs today is for male community, a community of healthy men getting together and loving one another as men, we're visual. You know, we, we, there is, a, and I, these are generalizations, but, but we, tend to, we tend to respond to challenge. We respond to, to the vision of a location. I mean, in my own personal life, I, I am so grateful for my dad. I can't tell you. My father was no, he was, you know, no businessman, a white collar, anything. But he showed up every day. He never sat down and told me, son, this is what a man is and this is what a man. I just watched how he treated my mother. I watched him work. I watched him show up. I watched him keep his word. I, watched, I experienced his discipline, right? <laughs> and, and so the, the power of that. And so I think we need to go back and, and, and uh, intentionally uh, cross-mentor one another, disciple one another, and to me, that's one of the that's one of the greatest needs 
in our culture today, not just just in our families, but in our culture. So I, I think, and I, you know, it's a general response to your question. No, I like that a lot. And I think where it gives us hope is it, it, there's something very tangible and practical about that too, Dr. Loritz, where, I mean, that is the role that the church can play. And so if there is, you know, a church member, church leader, you know, or maybe a church pastor that's listening right now, it is uh, who, you know, uh, like, who can I use my word? How can I use my words to to speak life into somebody and to remind another man that I'm proud of you? Uh, I see what you're doing at home. Uh, I don't know if your dad notices it or not, but I see it, right? And you are you are stepping up to responsibility. You are rejecting that passivity, and uh, I just want to let you know I'm proud of you because you're right. There are like the father has a, a special power in our life, but other men encouraging us is pretty powerful too. Right. Adam, Adam, that's that 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 is that is huge. You know, and just a little salvo here, and I hope I'm not going down a bunny trail. I actually believe that our churches need to constantly uh, we need to remember that as as particularly pastors and whatever church polity is, elders or whatever the leadership structure is, that we don't exist to shepherd programs to make people happy to keep them busy and to keep the money and the people coming. We are primarily in the business of discipleship and life transformation. And that everything has, so the wholeness of people in our congregation, whatever the barriers are in their lives uh, that keep them back from looking like Jesus and embracing what he has designed and who he has designed us to be is what we need to focus on. And, uh, and I think we need to get back to that. And I, I, and I think the pandemic in this regard has been a gift from God because, you know, hey, hey man, ain't, there ain't been a whole lot of people coming back in the building, you know, where you can, you can, you can afford to do stuff because you can. Now you got to do stuff because this is nuts and bolts. This is what we should be doing. And, uh, and so I, I actually believe that all of this comes together. Dysfunctional churches typically are a reflection of dysfunctional families and individuals. And so we got to get back to, you know, building up those men and women in our churches and those families. I like that. This has been a fascinating conversation. Before I let you go, I want to give you an opportunity. You've recently started a new organization called Beyond Our Generation. So uh, can you describe what that is and what inspired you to start this new ministry? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, uh, God has been very, very good to me. And I just think of the people that God raised up in my life when I was a younger dude in ministry. They saw things in me that I didn't even see in myself. Uh, they believed in me when my faith was shaky about myself. And I stand on their shoulders. And I, I just want to be a cheerleader at this stage in my life for the next generation particularly of emerging leaders. I want to be an encouragement. I want to put wind in their sails. I want to help them to make it home before dark uh, and, and to help them, you know, let, we're, to understand, look, we're all a half a step away from stupid, so don't institutionalize <laughs> stupidity. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and don't do some of the stuff that I did. You know? <laughs> so... So, you know, and that's what Beyond Our Generation is all about. And uh, uh, I do, it's some mentoring. I'm a visiting professor to, at several seminaries. My speaking and writing has this sort of a bit of a legacy development kind of flavor to it. And that's what we're doing. That's great. That's great. Well, how can people stay in touch with you? I know you've got, do you still have your podcast going? I think you do when I, when I last looked, right? 
Well, it's a radio, it a radio program, show. Two, yeah. two radio programs. And that's right. We might start venturing down the podcast uh, trail here, although I'm kind of kind of stuck. I don't want to get involved in the golden handcuff here, but it's <laughs> but that's what we know. They can they can uh, get in touch with us by just going to beyondourgeneration.com. There we go. All right. Well, I'll put a link to that in the uh, show description. Uh, once again, Dr. Larissa, this was a great conversation. I really do appreciate your time today. Oh, thank you, Adam. And blessings on you, man. Dr. Loritz, once again, thanks for your time today and all the work that you've put into throughout your entire ministry, uh, trying to strengthen families. Uh, I really do appreciate that. appreciate your time today. If you've been a longtime listener of the Better Man podcast, you may have been thinking the same thing I was thinking towards the end of our conversation. Uh, when Dr. Loritz was talking about the need for men to be in community with one another and the need to speak life to one another, I thought he was about ready to go straight into a Better Man commercial. <laughs> I mean, listen, this is why Better Man exists, right? Is to help men uh, reject passivity, accept responsibility, and to go on this manhood journey together, right? To reject this cultural ideal that's out there about us being lone rangers or embracing all of this individualism to just say, no, that's not who we were designed to be. We were designed to be in community and to go through life with other people. Uh, not all of us had amazing dads like Dr. Loritz had, but that doesn't mean that all hope is lost on us. If we didn't have a great male role model uh, growing up, we can still be the man that God wants us to be. And we can still have other spiritual fathers and spiritual mentors in our life, uh, pointing us towards uh, the life that God wants for us. And so if you're looking for that, then do me a favor, head over to betterman.com, uh, learn more about the Better Man 11 week experience. Uh, this is a great way to practically live out uh, what Dr. Loritz and I were talking about today. That's betterman.com. Uh, today's episode, as all episodes, was mixed and edited by the amazing team over there at Sound of a Rose. You can learn more about them at soundofarose.com. That's all we have for today. We'll talk to you again next time.